Hey, if you love the rewatchables, did you know the entire archive is available only on Spotify? We are heading toward 250 episodes. You can go on there, search for the rewatchables, and you can find everything we've done dated back to 2017. Go check it out, the rewatchables on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Sonic. You know what sounds good after a long day? Ice cream. I love ice cream. Right now is the perfect time to get some. Sonic has half-price shakes every night after 7 p.m. when you order online or in the app. Just think of it, all that creamy, soft serve, hand-mixed with your favorite flavors for half the price in any size. Listen, a lot of people like goofy shakes. I like vanilla shakes. You can throw 40 flavors at me. You know what I'm going to order? You know what I love the most? Vanilla shakes. It's perfect because me and my family, at least once a week, we still all get ice cream together when we're together. Grab Sonic half-price shakes. After 7 p.m. now, exclusions apply. Available for a limited time only at participating Sonic Drive-Ins. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network. What a great place that is. We have so many good pop culture podcasts too. Check out the Ringerverse. Check out the Big Picture. Check out the Prestige TV Podcast. Check out the Reality TV Podcast. Check out Bachelor Party with Gia Lippman. It's all on there. Check it out, the Ringer Podcast Network. Coming up on this podcast... Was it weird when you changed your name from Cat Stevens? Was it? Knocked Up is next. Have you heard about Knocked Up from the director of The 40-Year-Old Virgin? I'm pregnant. Congratulations. You're the father. Rolling Stone calls Knocked Up hilarious in ways you have to see to believe. I'm going to be there to rear your child. You hear that, Ben? Don't let him near the kid. He wants to rear your child. Knocked Up is the comedy of the summer and maybe the year. He has man boobs. Where does that end? It's uproarious. It's going to be cold. And you're next. <laughs> Knocked Up. Rated R. In theaters June 1st. All right, my name is Bill Simmons. I'm here with Julia Lippman and Craig Horlbeck getting called up to the big leagues after pre- how many years were you producing? Two and a half, three at this point? I don't even know. That's at least three. Yeah. It's three. Well, we're, we're trying to do more movies from the last 15 years because the people have made it clear, you know what's cool? Movies from the last 15 years. We're not going <laughs> to stop doing the older movies too, but we did, there's a lot of good ones left. One of them was Knocked Up a weirdly important rom-com from 2007. So here's my theory, guys. Okay. The rom-com boom, hugely formative to our friend Juliet here. Absolutely. I'm going to say 1989 to 2005 is the rom-com boom. It starts with When Harry Met Sally, goes all the way through the mid-2000s. We have Pretty Woman. We have Meg Ryan and Julie Roberts and Sandra Bullock and Reese Witherspoon, a.k.a. Mount Rom-Com Moore. We have Nancy Myers. We're doing all these different variations. And then around 2005, there's this new type of movie. It's a com-rom. It's mm. a comedy that also has the romance, right? I feel like Mean Girls might have been the first one that figured out 
we're going to be more funny than romantic, but we're also going to have the romance. And then you look at this era of the next seven, eight years, Mean Girls, 40-Year-Old Virgin, Wedding Crashers, Knocked Up, Sarah Marshall, Easy A, Bridesmaids. That's from 2004 to 2011. Craig, these are all these are all movies in your wheelhouse. The Comrom. Do you like this theory? I love it because it's instead of a romance that has comedy, it's a comedy about romance. I'm trying to think of the difference between these movies. Is that the, the new ones are focused on men? The men are the kind of the focuses, and the early ones it's focused on the women. Yeah, wait, Julia, would you say like there was just for what 17 years? It was like here's this here's this female. She can't find love. Mm-hmm. There's some sort of obstacle. You and me and Wesley have talked about this forever. I mean, we were in the Grantland. We did yeah. like our rom-com Hall of Fame pod. And I think it started a shift where it's like, hey, the guys are kind of interesting too. How do we work them in? Yeah. And that's kind of when it became the Comrom era. Yeah, it flipped the perspective. Like the first era that you mentioned, you know, Woody Allen's a huge piece of that. Like whatever, whatever you think about him. But I think that's the sort of the Annie Hall of it all can't be ignored fully, though it's obviously very complicated. But from there, it really moved into being these female writers. And Nancy Myers is like better as a writer than as a director. And like her and her perspective and Nora Ephron, obviously, who's my personal god, they have, you know, this <laughs> this really uh, specific lens through which they see them, and they happen to be women. And then Judd Apatow comes to town with his crew. And change that. I think, I mean, 40-Year-Old Virgin, that was 2005, right? So that really, yep. really flipped it. But the Mean Girls one, before we go down this, I feel like, Bill, you're breaking one of your own rules. I would say that's a teen movie, not a com-rom. Oh, interesting. I So I was thinking, like, Tina Fey wrote that. Mm-hmm. And even though it is a teen movie, you're right. That's not a rom-com. I don't think it's a rom-com. It's really funny and smart. I guess that's my point, is they... They decided to elevate, not that When Harry Met Sally, by the way, wasn't smart, but it did have like a structure to it, right? Yeah. I'm glad, by the way, I'm glad you brought up the Woody Allen stuff because those were the movies I grew up with as a kid, right? Like one of the best ones was Starting Over with Burt Reynolds, which Craig has not seen. Uh, It was him. He's in kind of a love triangle with Candace Bergen and Jill Clayberg. It's set in Boston. It's got, it feels like a very early prototype of these Apatow movies. I think- the thing Apatow figured out on Wedding Crashers and Mean Girls and some of these other things was they became genuinely funny. Yeah. You know, I think when Harry Met Sally is genuinely funny, I don't think like Pretty Woman, any of like the Meg Ryan, Tom Hanks movies, My Best Friend's Wedding is funny, but it's not like, it's not like hilarious. It's not like you could tell there were Harvard Lampoon people in the background yeah. rewriting scenes and stuff, you know? <laughs> you're like feeling good watching them. Like your spirits are high and like there's like a lot of momentum to them. But you're but you're not like necessarily laughing out loud. When Harry Met Sally is an anomaly because the writing is so, so sharp. And also yeah. like it has a real vibe to it. The Harry Connick Jr. music, like all of that, which separates that from many of the other rom-coms that were in that era from 89 to 05. And it uses New York too as like a real character, which was the Woody Allen trick. Yeah, totally. And and it it also, um, it like allowed archetypes to be a part of the movie without becoming cliche. Like it, it, it has, it was nuanced, which I think is just so frequently lost, but to your point, it's a totally different kind of comedy. And that is as a result, a different type of feeling. Um, Yeah. As we talk about Knocked Up, though, I'm like really excited to get some some male perspective at some of the things that made me mm. just want to die. So, <laughs> yeah. By the way, if anybody wants to email me any questions, just shoot me an email at Craig at fleshofthestars.com. I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll get back to you. <laughs> uh, Craig, in my era, we called them chick flicks, uh-huh. 
And I don't remember when that flipped to rom-com, Juliet. What was that? Like maybe mid, late 2000s? All of a sudden it was yeah. like, can't call it that anymore. Now it's almost like it, it's, they're just kind of date movies now, right? These movies that try to have something for everybody who's on the date. And yeah. I think, I think what, one of the things I really appreciate about this kind of rom, this com-rom Apatow era is just, I love the scenes when the guys are all hanging out. Yeah, it's the best. Agreed. The best and, scenes of the movie. Yeah, I mean, these type of movies, I feel like other than, like, very different from the rom-coms in the 90s is like, the stupid men in the aughts, like these idiot 22-year-old men, Judd figured out how to like put them in a rom-com and make it work. And yeah. it allowed people like myself to relate to it. And we didn't think it was a chick flick. We would go see the movie for that, but then stay, you know, because you kind of, this movie really is, the first half is like kind of a bunch of idiots hanging out. And then the second half, it's way more rom com and it really slows down. It's much less funny and it's much more kind of heartwarming and charming. Yeah. I mean, the Apatow, he did it in 40-year-old version too, which we've already done, but- he he just had this sense, and I it was something you just didn't see in movies enough, and definitely you didn't see in TV shows. That I always felt like there's not enough stuff about like how when my friends and I are all hanging out, we just bust each other's balls, and and that's it. We're just in a room, and it's like a fantasy draft. We're playing poker, we're watching a movie, whatever it is, and all we're doing is making fun of each other for five hours. Yeah. And I don't see that in movies. And Apatow was one of the first ones who was just like. I totally get it. I think he had a lot of young people that either worked for him or were in his infrastructure, right? Like Jason Siegel and Seth Rogen, all those dudes. They they were just young. And he was yeah. smart enough to go, I'm going to latch on to these younger people because they get like what's funny right now. And he just kind of wrote it, right? Yeah, and they're all like young, relatable people. It's just like really hard. Like Apatow nailed it and no one's nailed it since, really. It kind of went away. I think casting is a huge part of it. Like getting those like five guys, Baruchel, Siegel, Hill, all them, like they were all like 25 or like 23 in this movie. It's just really impressive that they all happened at the same time, like a young core. And they just, you could just let them go, let them improvise. That was half the scenes and all of his movies are improvised. Well, they were in Freaks and Geeks and Undeclared together too. So they were like had- And 40 Virgin, a lot of them. Yeah. yeah. And it, like it was, you know, this was like not not their first time together, but it's like- it's like a it's like a basketball team that has continuity. Like they have a chemistry together. They know how to play off each other. They're not starting over, and that's why um, they're able to like have have that camaraderie that's really hard to capture. And they really figured out the uh, keep going ad lib. I'll keep the camera rolling. Like Apatow shot like a million f feet of film for this thing. <laughs> he would just shoot and shoot and let these guys just keep going and kind of not where it was going. Adam McKay and. Will Ferrell and those guys are kind of doing the same thing at the same time. And um, I just, this was just a really exciting time for comedy. I mean, even if you look at the stuff Apatow did, just the stuff he produced from 05 to 11, this is just stuff he was involved with as a producer. 40 year Version, Talladega Nights, Knocked Up, Super Bad, Walk Hard, Sarah Marshall, Step Brothers, Pineapple Express, Year One, Funny People, Get Him the Greek, and Bridesmaids. Unbelievable. And that's in eight it's years. An that's like, an incredible run. It's incredible. That's got to be the best comedy producing run anyone's had. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And to end with Bridesmaid, and Bridesmaids is the mic drop, right? Where he takes shit in this movie specifically for your, the, what's up with that female character that you built your movie around? Juliet, you want to do your biggest gripe now about this? <laughs> sure. I mean, yeah, you, this is a fun movie. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I enjoy, Rewatching it, I was like, oh, this is a good movie. I forgot. 
The character of Allison is ridiculous. She has no friends. She is not fun. She is uh, pretty flat and just like doesn't get to have a good time. The fact that like the friendship is like such is the most fun part of this movie. And she literally has zero friends is so, so shocking. Yeah, Her only friend is her sister who she lives with. Who sucks. Who sucks. Who she says is unhappy. Like she doesn't have anyone else to go out with when except for her older married sister sister and that to me was like the the most stunning part i was like does judd apatow think that women don't have friends like that only men can have like this really loving adult friendship (laughs) like i was so baffled by that on my rewatch i'd kind of forgotten about it and And he took he took shit for it too yeah yeah. it's one of those notes that if you just one person like hey she should probably have a scene where she's going out with her girlfriends right like nobody has no friends yeah, it's also funny because to make the comparison back to rom-coms, the best friend is a crucial part of all of those women-driven rom-coms from 89 to 05. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about 27 Dresses later. Judy Greer's mm. in that movie. And she is like one of the iconic best friends. Like her, Heather Burns, like, and, yep. you know, and Princess Leia, Carrie Fisher. Like those are, you know, those people are essential to many rom-coms. And that, I think, is the biggest pitfall in this movie, in my opinion. Well, Judd was also clearly obsessed with like the the Rudd and Leslie Mann aspect of it as well. I he I mean the movie's already too long, so he probably couldn't figure out how to fit in uh, giving Allison any friends. But like halfway through this movie, the the movie pretty much becomes like a Rudd and Mann movie by the end of it. It's like half about them. Yeah. When did Judd think that he wanted to do this as forty? Was it halfway through filming the movie, and then he was like, "Oh, I actually, I think I'm more interested in Judd and Mann than I am Seth Rogen and Katherine Heigl." I mean, there's such a you could psychoanalyze that piece to the death, right? It's his wife and his two kids, but with Paul Rudd not playing him because Paul Rudd's like a record. What is he on? Like a record? He's running a record he's a label. Music manager, working, yeah. yeah, music manager. But he's just a proxy for Judd. Seems yeah. like he's a proxy for Judd. And so then you see like the Leslie Mann characters mean to Paul Rudd in this movie and also mean to him in This Is 40. And it's like, what are you trying to tell us? Or, <laughs> or is this just a complete coincidence? Like, I don't know if I made if I made a movie about like a guy who had a podcast and helped run a digital media company and then the kids were the ex- were played by my kids and then my wife was played by my wife who was an actress, but she was just kind of brutalizing the male character <laughs> who was subtle. obviously me. It would be, yeah, it's like, what's going on here? And like the whole movie, Rudd is like, you know, they're sitting at the park bench and he's like, yeah, man, I, I don't care about anything. Like kids care about bubbles. He's just like, <laughs> care about anything it's like judge really going through something yeah i think a, a more twisted one is actually funny people because eric banna is is like you know the hot guy in it and in in knocked up he talks about like how amazing eric banna is and how he likes he's done it all for the jews <laughs> and then you know adam sandler and leslie mann are having the affair right and right. so i feel like that's actually like a weird fantasy of like that's like the flip side of this is 40 or something like that there's there's a lot to unpack there but um yeah that it's was, interesting uh, i mean in fairness to judd and I, I do think this is the answer i think you take tiny pieces of something and when you're creating something else from scratch you're grabbing like this little piece here this little piece there so we're watching and like oh this guy's a proxy i don't I don't think Paul Rudd's the proxy, but I'm. Yeah. It's hard to know where the stuff bleeds over. I think the fact that he used his kids is so fascinating because, first of all, they're really good in this movie. They're great. Second, Maude is like a legitimately good actress now. I mean, she's grown up. Maude is now on 
I think one of the most important shows for people under 25. It's like Stranger Things and Euphoria. And she has this crucial role in Euphoria. It was, it was really weird to rewatch it with these little kids that we know what's going to happen to one of them. You know? Yeah. Um, Can I throw in one more Judd Apatow accolade? Yeah. In that time, that that run that we mentioned, he was developing Girls, which then came out on HBO in 2012. So right. it's also like pretty interesting that he, after doing all these movies with the like, dudes, gave way to Bridesma- Bridesmaids and launching Lena Dunham's Crystal career. Meg. Yeah, and I think um, it's it's like a really fascinating evolution. And and I think like in, in some ways for all of the one-dimensionalness of Allison's not having any friends, like it's it cl- clearly evolves his, his work over time, which is cool. Yeah, well, the thing with, you know, some of his movies anyway, is like they'll have these flaws that are pretty glaring. But for the most part, they're so original and so unique. You kind of forgive the flaws, right? This yeah. movie's too long. It's fine. I still really liked watching it. I really, my wife and I watched it in the last 25 minutes. We're like, oh man, can we just have her have the kid? I think that's probably what's changed now, right? Is like, they just gave Judd carte blanche, like do whatever you want. And like, there'll be flaws in it. But within that, there's a lot of great things because they let him do whatever he want. It can be as long as you want. And like, that's just not happening anymore. Just letting somebody just have full reign to say whatever they want, improvise as much as they want. It just seems like it's, it needs to be too restricted now. Before we talk about Catherine Heigl, Craig, explain your generation, the 20-somethings, the Apatow mm. impact. Like, is he just like this whole tree that he created and all the talent that he found, which I think is his greatest talent other than he's really funny, but just all of these people where over and over again, he's like, I see something in this person. Yeah. I see something in them. I want to create a part for this person. I think I could create a movie for this person over and over again. Um, I just know when I was a kid, like like people like Ivan Reitman, just really revering them as I was like in college, like these guys, oh my God, these guys, Lorne Michaels, people like that. Is he like that for your generation? A hundred percent. Apatow is like the reason why every kid I know in their twenties was like, I can write a script. Like I- I'm going to try right. to write a script about my friends. And <laughs> Apatow gave all these guys their own movie. He like gave Jonah Hill his movie in Superbad. Then he gives Siegel it and Forgetting Sarah Marshall. This is Seth Rogen's movie. It's honestly the only like body of work that people my age like can reference for like, oh, this is how young people acted. Like most of these movies came out when I was like eighth grade to like senior year of high school. Right. And it was like all we had. This was like, oh, finally, there's just like a bunch of idiots watching Family Guy smoking weed. Like f- somebody put that on screen. Yeah. I, there's no Apatow now for the for this next generation. No, well, and they don't make comedy is in such a weird place now, and it, that that's one of the reasons. Every time I watch one of these, I'm just like, this is great. Yeah, that crossed the line. Whatever, like it's it's for comedy, you know. And yeah, I totally agree. You, and you could remove a couple of like the homophobic jokes and stuff like that, but the movie's still funny. Like it still holds yeah, up. Whatever they made it in 2007, it's not going to be perfect. And you go back 15 years, there's always going to be stuff that's like, ah, we wouldn't say that now. Yeah. Um, all right. And um, by the way, Superbad came out two months after this movie. <laughs> it's crazy. This run, just from 07 to 09, he does Knocked Up, Superbad, Walk Hard, Sarah Marshall, Step Brothers, Pineapple, Year One, Funny People. That's in three years. That's crazy. That's absolutely insane. Uh, That's all right. crazy. Juliet, you're the world's premier hygologist. Mm. Thank you so much. It means a lot to me. Grey's Anatomy, your favorite show ever. Yes. Love it very much. My my Catherine Hagel takes an order. Um, she was gorgeous. Absolutely. And just from like when she was in My Father, the Hero on, it's like that that person is definitely an A-list movie star. She goes on Grey's Anatomy. She's really good on that. She has this. She's really good in this. And all the seeds are laid for this is a person who is going to be 
in our lives in a major way through her 20s and through her 30s. And is there Julie Roberts potential? I don't know. But it just seemed like whatever, like re, if you're if you're talking about these like athletes and it's like Reese Witherspoon, young Sandra Bullock in Speed, Julie Roberts and Pretty Woman, you kind of know it when somebody has it. Same way you know it with like, oh, Evan Mobley has it, you know, or... <laughs> Um, Jonathan Kaminga on Craig's Warriors. Like, oh, that guy's going to be something. And Heigl had it. And what happened? Explain us. Is it just too crazy to work with? What happened here? She torpedoed her own career after this movie came out. So this came out in 07. She gets the big Vanity Fair treatment ahead of 27 Dresses in 2008. And the Vanity mm. Fair treatment's a really big deal for a leading lady in Hollywood. Sandra Bullock got it uh, right after speed but leading or yeah after speed but leading into while you were sleeping julia roberts has had several vanity fair covers like it's a big deal for the rom so you're talking the lady. big cover yeah annie Leibovitz, yeah huge the, feature a couple yes. like quotes that might make news but just like this person is a huge deal and we spend a million dollars on the photo shoot yes and I, I think it was written by um leslie bennett i believe and in this article she manages to insult basically everyone that then and still matters in what she wanted to be doing. She says that she can't be proud of Knocked Up because of the sexism in it, which she then had to walk back on Howard Stern. Wait, she said she said it's a little sexist. She had a hard time, hard time enjoying the film. <laughs> and she said, quote, paints the women as shrews, as humorless and uptight, and it paints the men as lovable, goofy, fun-loving guys. Some of that's true. This was the movie that made her a major yeah. star. I, whether she felt that way or not, it was it, within nine months of the movie, she's basically undermined. And it. Seth anyway, Rogen said he loved working with her and they had a great time and they had good chemistry and he thought they were going to yeah, work. He, he, yeah. he was like wounded. <laughs> well, he seems like a nice guy. She went on Howard Stern to like clarify, to like issue a retraction and say she like loved Judd and Seth. But there was that. And so that obviously, you know, never invited back to the, the Judd Apatow repertoire. And then in the same article, she talks about Grey's Anatomy, how in season four, which I just want to tell everyone, it's currently, it just wrapped last week, season 17, so it's continued. She said in season four um, that her storyline in which she has an affair with T.R. Knight's character was uh, a ratings ploy and the show has no spontaneity <laughs> and it like was, wasn't good anymore. In season four. And <laughs> she also... Um, basically had just gotten a promotion. She was a bit player and she was getting $300,000 or excuse me, she got $300,000 for knocked up, which is insane, but she was not making that much money. And well, her movies, her movies before knocked up, it's pretty brutal. It's like yeah. Zizek's road and it's just like five bad ones in a row. Anyway. And then her movies after also was still quite bad because she ruined her career. But anyway, she just goes after Shonda as well. And, Shonda Rhimes does not suffer fools. She does not suffer insults. She does not suffer drama. And Katherine Heigl was uh, continued on the show for a few more years. I think she had a, a contract, but her storylines were insane. And then when she was when she left, she was not allowed back. Like she, so many of the people on the show have come back or or whatnot, and she is just banished. And this Vanity Fair article like ruined her career. But it was, it was her own quotes. Like there's no way to say like it was taken out of context because she was like verbose and she spoke. A lot. These are long, long, just like sentences that she gives. It's pretty stunning. I can't really think of a parallel. Well, and then from the Grey's Anatomy standpoint, I mean, she wasn't as big as Alan Pompeo on that show, but it felt like she was the second most or third most important person on the show, right? Between Alan Pompeo and Patrick Dempsey. Mm -hmm. Then Heigl was right underneath them. 
and also pretty famous and almost like the Juliana Margulies of uh, to ER kind of role. At the end of season two, Denny, who's played by Jeffrey Dean Morgan, dies and she lies on the floor in the bathroom in this like really beautiful gown. And that became like the iconic scene for years of, te- of just of television in general. And that's when Grey's was super popular. And so she did become super important because she had like this really emotional and visually stunning scene and she just blew it. And she also was like, she uh, just waded into a lot of drama. She also, she defended T.R. Knight, who was um, called the Isaiah Washington thing. By yeah. Isaiah Washington. Uh, but Isaiah Washington was also banished as a result of that. Like, you know, it's, they ran a tight, they run a tight ship there. And it's just, it is stunning. It's also a huge bummer for the show because not ever having her come back, like has a lot of holes, but anyway. They never filled that like younger female star part, right? No, they had a couple people come in and out. Um, yeah. Sandra Oh had, was, was on the show, for, obviously for a long time. She was wonderful, but no one ever really filled that to, to your point. And I don't, it's still a great show, but you know, it's, it's stunning. People really thought she was like in, in this article, they're like, she's the next big thing. Like you just know when, when someone has it, she has it. Like she was making, making plans to start a production company. She was doing all of the things that you do. Like she was doing all the things that Seth Rogen was also doing, except like he has now moved from not only being an incredibly successful actor and producer and now weed purveyor. Um, and she's doing nothing. She's on an awful Netflix show that I couldn't get through and I can watch anything. Craig, when you're on the cover of Vanity Fair for the Fantasy Football Podcast this fall, if you have quotes <laughs> shitting on the rewatchables, you're fucking banished like Catherine Heigl. Just I want you to know that. Don't worry. You're out. Don't worry. <laughs> um, the, the one thing with her, I'm going to do this now. I had that category for later, the Stephen A. Hottest Take Award. Okay. I'm just going to do mine now. Mm-hmm. You guys can do yours when we get to the category. Okay. I just think her and Lohan are the two lost superstars from this decade. I think Lohan should have been, we talked about this in the Mean Girl podcast. I just think she should have been Julie Roberts for the next decade, you know, and she was such a good actress and she was so pretty and she had such charisma to her. And, and it just, you know, she had a lot of other issues. The Katherine Heigl thing is so much weirder. You can't even blame like substance. It's just like she, when she burned the Apatow crew and Shonda Rhimes, there's kind of no going back. Nobody's going to be like, I can't wait to work with that person, you know? No. I think she also must have had bad people around her because the scripts that she did take on were pretty bad. Like, I was rewatching 27 Dresses, which is probably her second biggest movie. It's bad. It's not even, like, I would put it in the same category as, like, Picture Perfect with Jennifer Aniston, which is, like, one of the most abominable movies of all time. Like, yeah. It's the script isn't good. It's not smart. It's so derivative. It, it reminds me like a, it's kind of like a cross between Hitch and um, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, essentially. And like, it's just a really shitty movie. Like, she didn't have a good picker. She must have gotten lucky with both Grays and knocked up, essentially. And I, I just think that she didn't have good people. I mean, her mom was her manager, which I think is always a, a, a tough, a tough look. Bad, bad sign. So, one thing that was interesting, well, two interesting things from the Heigl thing. One was that Apatow, it turned into like a little bit of a what's going on with the Apatow and female characters. And he ended up saying, all right, I'm going to take this more seriously. I hear the criticism. The other one was Apatow and Rogan kind of came back at her. Like they went on the Howard Stern show in July 2009 when they were promoting funny people. And Rogan at one point, he pointed to Heigl's work in the movie The Ugly Truth, yeah. which is terrible. Terrible. And he's like, I hear there's a scene where she's wearing underwear with a vibrator in it. So I have to see if that's uplifting for women. Like they were just like <laughs> yeah. throwing stuff. Apatow said, 
he had expected an apology from her. And he said, you would think at some point I'd get a call saying she was sorry, she was tired. The call never came. And I think, I think, I think she, once she apologized publicly, even Rogan said like, I appreciate that she apologized, but I didn't expect it to come publicly. I wish it was private. Right. Seems, and it was way later than normal yeah. too. He seems so nice. And like, no one ever says a bad thing about Seth Rogen. So like, I have to imagine that she's like really evil to have pissed him <laughs> off. Not evil. I don't, sorry. Not yeah, evil, he, but it's a work, severe, work evil. it's a severe rupture. Like I, that's, I just feel like no one's ever said anything bad about Seth Rogen and like everyone likes him and he likes everyone. So I, it's pretty bad. It's pretty significant. And the working experience for Judd's movies generally seems pretty easygoing and fun and inclusive. If you want to change a scene, like feel free, like we can do as many takes as you want. It feels like a very, you know, open environment. I also do think he took the criticism to heart. Like we were saying before, by, you know, evolving into girls and bridesmaids. And that's it, like, that's a significant evolution. Also, um, in 2009, I was Train working, wreck. Train wreck, yeah. I was working on a book and he edited it I worked when I was working in publishing. And so like, I spent like a day with him and like, he kept being asked like, who do you like in comedy? And he like, without a doubt, always said Lena Dunham. He didn't mention anyone else. Like he was just trying mm. to like, and this was like 2009 or 10, I think right after Tiny Furniture. And he was like, to your point, Bill, about like trying to find new people, he was really focused on like also like elevating the, the voice of a young woman. And I so I do think he learned from that. Yeah. Well, Heigl, she gets banished from Grey's Anatomy, which is rough because they she always could have had the move where she came back for like season 12, right? Just for big bucks. And is he did Izzy die in the show? What happened, Izzy? Okay. I'm so glad you asked. This is one of the hey. most offensive things that's ever happened in my TV life. Izzy is still alive. Apparently she's moved to like Kansas or something. Alex was her husband on the show. She just left him one day. Alex got banished. I don't know what happened. That's played by Justin Chambers. This was two yeah. and a half years ago. Justin Chambers' storyline was wrapped up. He didn't get to come back. He did voiceover about how he moved to Kansas, wherever Izzy was, where Izzy, it turned out, had had twins with their frozen embryos and he had just found out. So he decided to go be the father and husband in that family, though he was married on the show. And they hate Katherine Heigl and now Justin Chambers so much that for an hour he's doing voiceover and like reading a letter and you're like seeing like flashbacks and they show these like body doubles in bed of like what their life is now like in Kansas, but you don't see any faces. It's just like the backs of people, like oh some God. blonde <laughs> and like little kids. And it's like, you're supposed to be looking at Alex and Izzy, but you see no faces and you don't hear her voice at all. It is insane. It is the biggest fuck you to those two actors. I love the way people People are written off shows. I think that's such a fascinating part of Hollywood is when like showrunners or directors or writers, or whatever, like how they decide to write off people they hate is really funny. It's like at, at the end of SNL, like how close the cast stands to the, the host is oh, like how yeah. much they like them. I love the way writers uh, kick people they don't like off shows. Our beloved Nano Tuno had that with uh, yes. Shannon Doherty, where they oh sent God. her to London for acting, and she's never heard from. <laughs> Somebody again. should make a ranking of like the worst like ways actors have been kicked off shows. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Izzy also did get really bad storylines. Like she was having sex with a ghost, but it turned out she had a brain tumor that was like giving her <laughs> these delusions. Oh my God. And, like, oh my God. Had all this crazy shit. It's like they it's were great. torturing her. All right. So this movie, $25 million for Knocked Up, made $219 million. It's like one of his most successful, like top three, I think, right? Yeah. No Roger Ebert review. I, th I think Raj might've been, he might've been having some health issues around this time, but, uh, so we'll go Emily Nussbaum. Always loved her. She was the New York editor at the time. Eventually went at the New Yorker. 
Remember, I tried to hire her for Grantland once. Didn't work out. Didn't happen. Guess what? She was in a great spot. Uh, she said, Allison, Heigl's character, made basically zero sense. She was just a completely inconsistent character, this pleasant, blandly hot, peculiarly tolerant, yet oddly blank, nice girl. She seemed to have no actual needs or desires of her own. Yeah. And there was a lot of like think PC stuff like that about what is this character? Why are the guys so much more developed than the girls? Is? Anyway, we have uh, a lot to cover with the categories. We have some new categories that we're still working in and we're going to take a break. This episode is supported by State Farm. Think about your first reaction after you have an accident. What do you do? You scream, oh no, or man, oh, why did this happen? On the flip side, Let's say you buy a new car or you lease a new car, get in there and it smells great. And you're like, man, this is awesome. But just remember, really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor. State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need. Have coverage options to protect the things you value most. File claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to somebody. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. Spring comes with a lot of chores because, you know, spring cleaning. One thing you can clean up right away, your phone bill. Just switch to Mint Mobile. They have unlimited talk, text, data plans for $15 a month when you buy a three-month plan. $15 a month. That's like you can subscribe to two movie channels for that. I mean, what a great deal. Also, Super easy to switch plans. Everyone gets so intimidated by, oh my God, I don't know if I should switch my plan. It's not that hard. To get this new customer offer, go to mintmobile.com slash rewatch. That's us. That's mintmobile.com slash rewatch. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month for a first three-month plan only. Speeds slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. All right, most rewatchable scene. I Just so you know, nothing delights me more than a bunch of guys making fun of a friend for some sort of... Th them making fun of Martin the Bearded Guy. You could have <laughs> given me an hour and a half of it, Craig. Late John Lennon, Martin Scorsese on Coke. Cat Stevens after he <laughs> changed his name to Yusuf Islam. <laughs> Shoe bomber Richard Reed. <laughs> it just keeps going and going. You can tell they were ad-libbing half of them. You look like Robin Williams' <laughs> knuckles. <laughs> it's just, it just never got not funny. The whole point, you're supposed to be tempted into shaving. Your face looks like Robin Williams' knuckles. <laughs> you guys aren't allowed to make fun of me. It's not part of the rules. Martin, why didn't you just listen to me when I was explaining the rules? You just looked at me with that blank stare of yours. It was like talking to a, a wax statue. People making fun of each other, like guys, like throwing barbs at each other in movies, never, it, it just never misses. Yeah, it's it's the last honest place. I'm still on some text threads with my high school and college thing. And it's the same thing. We'll just, we're so mean to each other. It's the best. But it's like, that's the, it's the last bastion, Juliet. Uh, I love Martin, the bearded guy. It's just, I love him too. I, and he's the same guy in everything, right? He's in SoCon Valley. It's like, oh, it's the same guy. Yeah. Um, it's not like he's like breaking out acting chops, but he he figured out his lane and he just nails it. But the dirty man competition, all of that just killed me. The uh the weight loss scene with, with Kristen Wig is really good. It's really good. It's kind of the first time like Wig does her thing on camera. We don't want you to lose weight. We just want you to be healthy. Okay. You know, by 
by eating less. We would just like it if you go home and step on a scale and write down how much you weigh and subtract it by like 20. 20. And then weigh that much. Just remember. It might be the second best she's been in a movie. It's really good. Her, it's definitely in contention for Dion Waiters. It's just a, a those two scenes are really funny. We would just like it if you go home and step on the scale and write down how much you weigh and subtract it by like 20. 20. <laughs> <laughs> Everything about that is great. Uh, I mean, we could do the nitpick now. It's Catherine Hagel's like skinny in this movie. Yes. I don't, I didn't really understand though. If you need to lose 20 pounds, I don't know what don't know, they wanted the her to weigh. The point is just to show how awful Hollywood is. Like, I guess. I think that's also like actually a good part about her performance and her in this movie is that like she is so beautiful and so thin and like it's just kind of like anything, any negative feedback that is like so ridiculous and played for jokes because she's yeah. just like kind of perfect. But she also like looks healthy. She doesn't look like anorexic or whatever. The nightclub scene is just tremendous. <laughs> the buying the beers thing is great. All the guys busting at each other. We, they wreck it on Martin somewhere. Hey, Crockett, still partying with tubs these days? Come on, man, I'm getting it from all angles here. I don't like it anymore. I know, I don't either. Was it weird when you changed your name from Cat Stevens to Yusuf Islam? Yeah, it was really awkward. Hi, right, man. I gotta take it off. See you, Scorsese on Coke. I gotta tell you, this is, if you want to know, like, the fucking recipe for making me laugh is when the dice thing. When they're watching Seth Rogen dance, like, I think he's doing the dice it's thing. It's And it cuts him. And he's, <laughs> that's just, like, that's going to nail me every time. Uh, I just, I love being in the nightclub with them for that five minutes. That's probably my favorite part. I love part. your curly hair. Do you put any product in it? Yeah, it's called Jew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the fucking dice thing murdered me. That's a great scene. And I think Leslie Mann and Catherine Hagel are really good in that scene too. I just like, I enjoy all of it. I like how they walk by the bouncer. They set it up for later. And Siegel's really cooking. This might be one of Siegel's most underrated roles. Him with Leslie Mann is like really funny. How you doing? Good, how are you? Just trying not to stare. She's married. Why do you have to say that? What? It's a shame. You're beautiful. Thank you. This thing has two kids, too. Shut up! There's nothing to be ashamed of. You, you think that's going to stop him from hitting on her? It's not at all. <laughs> I love kids. Really? Yeah, absolutely. I love him. This Seagull character, I wish they had brought back for another movie. It's always great when, like, the non-focus of the movie, the non-leads get to be in them. Like when, when Siegel and Jonah Hill and all these guys just get to be the background guys, they're arguably yeah. better because they don't have to like be the character who grows. They can just be weird. And Jason yeah. Siegel's like, you know, like I have chicken pox three times. <laughs> I'm, I can't be immunized. <laughs> I, I love him. He's my favorite of the group of, of this group. I just have always had a soft spot for him. I like, uh, when Allison calls Ben to tell him they need to meet and all the guys are doing these obscene, obscene gestures in the background. Another thing that's going to hit my funny bone every time. Every time. I don't know why. It's, it's just so always going to work. The sex offender website argument, um, it's just, that was high comedy. That, so good. That's improv whole, too. Yeah. I love the double date. Hey, I have a really good idea. Why don't the two of you get into your time machine... Go back in time and fuck each other. Who needs a time machine? This is my time machine. I'm going to throw you in my DeLorean, gun it to 88. 
You are a funny motherfucker, man. Jesus. How can you fight with him? Look at his face. I just want to kiss it. I think he's cute. I like the way you move. When um, when it's just clear Seth Rogen and Paul Rudd like each other more than the woman, it's not even close. They're just like, at least we have each other. Great chemistry, uh, those two. Yeah. Um, I have a really good idea. Why don't two of you get in your time machine, go back in time and fuck each other? And Pete goes, who needs a time machine? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I have the the Vegas trip is really funny because it it ties in that whole stretch of the Vegas trip and the doorman scene when they can't get in the club and Craig Robinson has this whole thing. It's a really good eight minutes. I like them stoned on mushrooms walking around Vegas. And, yeah, Cirque um, du Yeah, yeah. Anything else? What what else do you have? Um, I, the fantasy baseball scene is just. I'm like two years away from that happening in my own life, so yeah, it really is hitting home nowadays. <laughs> Um, I wonder if this happened in Judd's life or it had to have been this happened in somebody's life because it's, it's like too good to make up. It's amazing. What the fuck is this? It's our fantasy baseball draft. We said no wives. Your fantasy what? It's our draft. The fantasy baseball. I, I told you all about this. Got Matsui. Honey, we got Matsui. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anything else for you, Julia? I like when she goes to the house for the first time because I feel like that is a, a very good representation of uh, how anyone would feel. And also, Jonah Hill is so funny in that movie when he's like feels awkward because she's there. He's hilarious. <laughs> Another day at the office. It's like Denise Richards <laughs> nude. Another day at the <laughs> <He's> office. His, <laughs> and he has his pad out. Yeah, it's so. And he's watching Wild Things. It is. I just think he's so funny and awkward in that moment. I particularly love it. They do a great job of like men and women in their twenties are, are are really not the same age. Men just don't age as quickly as women. Don't mature as quickly as yeah. women. And so, it always goes where it's like whenever the girl comes to the guy's house, it's just always so much worse. It's always a mess and a nightmare. And they nailed it. There's five things you're embarrassed by. What do you have for most rewatchable, Juliet? I just one we didn't mention actually when Seth Rogen is interacting with Maude Apatow for the first time at the breakfast table and they're explaining uh, why he slept over and, and whatever. I, I think that is hilarious and I, I love a good meal scene. I was happy it was breakfast and not dinner. I think that is like also like lays out so much what the movie's about. For, so that's, that's it for me. I have a, I like the nightclub scene, it's my favorite. As do I. What's age the best? You mentioned Jonah Hill. I just have him in What's Age the Best. I, like he's just, even when they're in the hospital and the movie's really dying and, and for it's really just limping along and then all of a sudden um, they're in the wheelchairs wheeling around for a couple minutes <laughs> and just, I, I don't know. He's just, every time he's on, he's throwing 100 miles an hour. And him yelling. So Jonah Hill yelling has aged the best. He's one of the best yellers yeah. in comedy history. Man, my balls are shaved. My pubes are trimmed. I'm ready to fucking rock this shit. What the fuck, man? If I go in there and see fucking pubes sprinkled on the toilet seat, I'm gonna fucking lose my mind. Last time I went to the bathroom, Jay, I took a shit and my shit looked like a fucking stuffed animal. You're embarrassing me in company. You embarrass yourself. Oh, great. I hope you have a great evening. All right. Let's go. Yeah, you're right. Uh, the adorable Apatow kids we mentioned. Just great great job by both of them. Great really job. cute stages for each. I like how they interacted. It felt authentic. Um, the sister relationship, Juliet, between uh, Leslie Mann and Heigl. Yeah, I thought it was sweet. I thought yeah, it was I liked good. it. Me too. The uh, Mr. Skin ripoff site, which I think is also in what's age the worst, because there might be a generation and be like, what's Mr. Skin? But uh, I thought that was just a funny idea that these guys were working on 
Mr. Skin, uh, Mr. Skin site, not realizing that Mr. Skin existed. <laughs> yeah, and that's a, if we quick picking knit right now, there's no way they don't know Mr. Skin exists. Yeah, you're right. There's no way. If all these guys, all they do is like watch porn and watch nude women in movies, they don't know Mr. Skin exists. I no way. Yeah, that's a pretty big plot hole. You're right. I, the randoms in the cast, like all these people that became bigger, like haters in two scenes. Mm-hmm. Craig Robinson's in one. Ken Jong had never been in a movie before. Franco and Carell have have cameos. Adam Scott. It's like a year before Step Brothers, and he's just the nurse for you know five minutes. BJ Novak is in it briefly. Yeah, yeah. BJ Novak. It just kind of keeps going and going. The uh the Martin jokes we mentioned. Did we say Scorsese on Coke? That killed me. <laughs> that <was> so funny. <laughs> uh Harold Ramis has a cameo as the father. Yeah. He was really good. Good to see him. The uh <laughs> Hater when he, when she's melting down and Hater goes, you look like Dom DeLuise. I, I, don't, I don't even know what that means, but that made me laugh. The uh, Laramie Tunsil gas mask, I think, mm. is aged the best because I didn't know what that was at the time. Now we know, Craig, it's the Tunsil gas mask. Uh, yeah, it did a lot for people in my generation to get really uh, creative with the way they smoke weed. Yeah. And then I, I think that the fact that this movie had a sequel that they didn't know they was going to have when they made uh, This is 40, that it was looming which I think is a more complicated movie than this movie. I don't like it as much, but I, you Definitely know, more it's, depressing. Just, it's a funny bookend movie. Any other, uh, what's age best for you, Juliet? Absolutely. Debbie and Pete's house and the neighborhood of Brentwood looks the mm. same and still fabulous. Also some great coastal California interior design. Mm. I loved it. It's a, it is like, that really captures that like San Vicente, Brentwood area. Great stuff. Part of me wondered, is that just Judd's house? I know he lives in Brentwood. I wonder if he just filmed where he lived. So family's it's a great in the movie. way to make some money yeah. off it. Like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he did the production fee for his own house. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else? Um, I also just think Seth Rogen. I mean, I just feel like I know that's kind of cheating. We'll talk more about him, but like he's really sweet in this movie. And I and when he says he's Ben is 23, I had to like go and check his age. And I was like, wow, he was 25 when this came out. Like, just great stuff. Craig, what do you have for what's age the best? Um, Jason Siegel loving to be naked. Mm. Yeah, it's a big run for him. After the earthquake, he's he's fully naked, cupping his junk, and just got a cigarette in his mouth, middle of the night. <laughs> it's the best. Uh, and then I just, uh, uh, having a referee for playing ping pong, I didn't understand mm. that, but it was great. Smart. Just having Jay Barrasso sit up there. And then my last one was Seth Rogen's Matthew Fox dig. That mm. aged really well. He's like- Yeah, that felt, that felt like intentional. He's like, you know what's interesting about Matthew Fox? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I liked her response too. I felt like it was like very relatable. She's like, well, I hope no one else agrees or whatever she says. It's my yeah. job. That worked out though. He never did anything. One more what's age the best, I guess, is just that mid-2000s-E kind of celebrity infrastructure of those kind of shows where they had really kind of figured out the formula and they make fun of it with Seacrest. We'll get to in a second. Oh, I guess we can do that now. Seacrest, the Seacrest making fun of himself and being funny, I think is a what's age the best. It's incredible. I don't understand the young talent in this town. It doesn't make any sense. I got four jobs. Hell, I'm more famous than half the people we talk to anyway. No one stands up. No one has the balls to sit them down and say, look, just cut the shit. But everybody works for them. They're all on the payroll. They're all sucking the teat. Nobody sits them down eye to eye, one on one, and says, cut the shit. And all these stars just fuck it up. That's what they do. They fuck my day up. And it pisses me off. And now I'm sweating. Okay. You want to, you know what? You want us to just come and get you when she gets here? I didn't know we had that in him. I don't think he's done it since. And like he should. Like that is such, that is the most lovable he has ever been. It's better than American Idol Seacrest. It's better than Kardashian Seacrest. Like 
I loved that moment. It was so funny. And making fun of Jessica Simpson is like pitch perfect. That's aged very well, too. Yeah, I'm going to see if she can point out Korea on a map. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The uh, new category, Slow Ride Award for the best needle drop. I got to go Rock Lobster, the B-52s. When they go back to the place to hook up, that was just like, I hadn't heard that one in a while. I was like, oh, Rock Lobster. What do you got, Craig? Start of the movie, just right out of the gate. Shimmy, shimmy, yeah. Completely agree. Oh, baby, yeah. I like mm-hmm. it, Rod. It's like the per- it's perfect for this movie. Mm. Yeah, it's also like a little immature. Gets the, it's the energy up. It's great. I, that's what I have, too. I completely agree. The Big Kahuna Burger Award for the best food or drink that kind of made you hungry as you're watching. I, I just like the two beers. I'm going to go mm. with the two mm. beers. They looked nice and cold Bill, and made me thirsty. When you were bartending, did you ever have somebody reach over the bar and grab two beers? That's an automatic ejection. Mm. Yeah, that person has to go. You're not allowed to do that. Don't reach over the bar. The Den of Thieves Benny Hanna Award for Scene Stealing Location. My wife got super excited during this. The Swingers Diner. Mm. Oh. Yeah, Just right good. there. It was great. It was great to see it. I'm not even sure it's even still open anymore. Oh, but- it is. I love the, it was closed for a while, but maybe it opened back up again. Um, They have a swingers joke in the movie too when they're driving to Vegas. They're like, you're so money and you don't even know it. I love that. I don't know if that was a what's age the best or what's age the worst because I don't know (laughs) if for swingers, like if you're under 20, do you even get the swingers joke? Great shot, Gordo Award for the best shot of the movie. I have the when they're on Mushrooms in Vegas, how they filmed it when they were in the seats. I Mm -hmm. thought it was really smart. Oh, yeah. That's good. When it was like, whatever they with the camera. Can we go back to the Benny Hanna Award really quickly? I know this is a speed round, but we just we must mention Geisha House. I mean, partially owned oh, by yeah. Ashton Kutcher. That was hot. Geisha House was hot <laughs> was, for like four years. You're right. So, and also, there's a lot about that, that didn't make sense, which we can come back to in picking nits. But I just I would I couldn't I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't mention Geisha House and the great Ashton Kutcher. Also, the house that they live in. The guys live in what the hell is mm-hmm. that house is so bizarre. It's like kind of has a huge lot. Uh, they have like it's a massive front yard. It's kind of an amazing place, like for those guys to live. Yeah, you're right. I would have assumed it's probably not in an awesome area with the amount of space that they had. Yeah. It's in Northridge. That pool is fucking disgusting. I would never go near it. <laughs> mm. The uh, Butch's girlfriend award for the weak link of the film. <laughs> I know you said you like this scene, Craig, the fantasy football scene. I agree with you guys. As a scene, just to watch, sure. But this whole fantasy football cheating subplot oh. sidetrack we take for really no payoff at all, I don't know if it was worth it. This is nine minutes in the middle of a movie that is about Seth Rogen and Catherine Hagel's characters. And now we're trying to figure out if Paul Rudd's cheating or not. I didn't totally get it. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. I think Judd fell in love with that storyline more than the original one halfway through the movie. Yeah, because once it was like, oh, they're going to have the kid. It's like, oh, what now what do I do? Yeah. But um, I just have a lot of issues also with like lying about a fantasy football draft. I don't know. Nobody's relationship is in that kind of shambles where you would feel like you have to pretend you're going to somewhere, but you're actually going to a fantasy draft. It's once a year also. like I- It's once a year. It's a fantasy baseball draft. That's not you're doing it every Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. It's like much less offensive than being like, I need to go to the movies to be alone. So yeah, yeah. That, that one makes more sense. <laughs> it does. What stage the worst? The sprint trio. Close up of that, the mm-hmm. uh, the cell phone, mm-hmm. um, is rough. It's been rough times for the Sprint Trio over the next fifteen years. The uh, Chuck Liddell, Randy Couture UFC poster I thought was funny. Mm. It seemed like it was from a million years ago. It was on somebody's wall. This movie's one hundred and thirty two minutes. Yeah, what? Way too long. 
There's just there's just too much Leslie Mann, Paul Rudd stuff. Like you can cut a lot of that, and and there's even a lot of stuff in the middle with with Rogan and her that it's all, all the scenes just drag a little bit because I, I think it's just because they like to improvise so much. If they get a funny joke at the end of a scene, they got to keep the whole scene. Yeah. Another important rom com trope is montages. There's only one montage in this movie, and it's Seth Rogen growing up when mm. he when he moves out of the house, he finally gets the job. I could have used a few more montages. Mm. I also think it would have helped understanding some of the relationships if we got more of, of that. But instead, we had to see the sonograms. Where did you, I wasn't positive if I wanted to put this on what stage the worst, how the, all the actors who are Ben's friends have their actual real names as the names of the characters. I'm going with the, what age the worst. I, I'm going with it with worst. I thought it was weird that Charlene Yee didn't get to have her name, even though she was like part of that group. But and Seth yeah. Rogen's so that, name is Ben. Yeah. Uh, I think the explanation for that is because they were doing like all this improv beforehand and using each other's names except for his or whatever. But I, I think that's aged poorly, especially because so many of those actors are now iconic. And so like yeah, who yeah. they are as real people is now like intrudes on the movie, basically. That's how I felt. Any other what's aged the worst? Um, we must discuss Katherine Heigl's wardrobe. You guys were not going, it. you guys weren't going to bars and clubs circa 2005, but I was. <laughs> and when I look back at, uh, the, at least, at least not to the ones that I was going to, I can't, I can't speak for you, Bill, but her outfits are so of that moment that like the style was like this, like flowy, unflattering shirt that was like off in a halter, showed off your boobs, but completely covered your stomach, regardless of your weight with jeans that were too low and also too wide. They always were like wet. She just, her clothes are so of the moment and so unflattering. She looks terrible in that. Like she's beautiful, but the clothes are terrible. The guys too. <laughs> well, yeah, so the bad. guy that was the backward hat. Like giant t-shirt era. Oh, yeah. That was brutal. Uh, I have a few more. Can I throw them at you? Yeah. Her prosthetic bump, really fake looking. I think we've improved prosthetics since then, but like it Agree. just was ridiculous. Uh Debbie being anti-vax. That's the pretty oh, weird one. Oh yeah. Oh, that you're right. <laughs> that's pretty weird and now does not play well. Maybe uh, that's this is 50. It's a whole it's a whole <laughs> vax vax movie. <laughs> And lastly, they kept saying web page over and over. Like no one there had actually used the internet before. And they're like, yeah, we're working on a web page. And it's just like by 2007, people are familiar it's a with, with yeah. it's a website. Yeah, we got it. That's a good point. The Anchorman Flute Pee Break Award for best time to go go pee because you know <laughs> it's like a tough stretch of the movie. There's a couple options here, but I agree. I am narrowing it down to Catherine Agle's character goes into labor before they go to the hospital and it turns into this frenetic. It, I, I counted it's seven and a half minutes. And then they finally get to the hospital. It is seven and a half minutes that you could cut so easily. You, you lose absolutely nothing except for the one speech when he yells at the OBGYN, when he just yells the meanest possible stuff because he can't believe the guy had a bar mitzvah. But all right, that's fine. You lose one funny 10 second moment it's seven and a half minutes of just like nothing's happening so oh, we gotta we gotta do the hospital it's like i get it if it's a tv show but this is a movie this is supposed to be like a finely honed cinematic thing so anyway i would cut that 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 i would take a long seven minute pee during that maybe even you could shave <laughs> if she's not having a home birth or a water birth i don't really know why she's getting in the bathtub like i i don't get that Apparently that was based on a real Leslie Mann story. So I'm sure Judd wanted to put that in. I see. Mm. Interesting. Okay. I agree. That whole thing. That, I also thought the hospital stuff was too long. Like, Oh, yeah. 
I don't know. And also, I didn't need Ken Jeong to come back to like have like his swan song. I don't know. I just thought that the whole thing was too much. Was there a better title for this movie, Craig? No. It's such a good title. Knocked Up is the perfect title for this movie. Juliet? Well, in other countries, it's called either a little bit pregnant or slightly pregnant because knocked up is not a term there. <laughs> I think slightly pregnant is funny, but it doesn't make sense for the movie. No, knocked up. I think great. knocked up is a fantastic title. I would not change it. Best quote I'm either going with, isn't it weird when you have kids and all your dreams and hopes go out the window? <laughs> <laughs> or marriage is like a tense, unfunny version of Everybody Loves Raymond, only it doesn't last 22 minutes. It lasts forever. <laughs> the Everybody Loves Raymond line is so good. It's so good. I, I, would, I would go with that. I think that's the best quote. But the, uh, the belatedly best quote, the Book About Medals Award. Mm. This one's really grown on me over the years. If it grows from the ground, it's probably okay. (laughs) (laughs) I really like that. That's a good high school yearbook one. Uh, All right. I already did my Stephen A. Smith hottest take about uh, Heigl and Lindsay Lohan. Do you have a hottest take, Craig? Uh, Flesh of the Stars is a better name than Mr. Skin. Mm. Ooh. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, Mr. Skin is creepy. Yeah, I don't, good point. That doesn't work at all, in my Mr. opinion. Mr. Skin sounds like he's just somebody who got thrown in jail. I like that. Yeah. Good take. What do you got, Juliet? She should have had an abortion. Oh. Still no question. That's <laughs> <laughs> much more. Yeah, there's no question. He's a 23-year-old with zero dollars, no job, doesn't have his own home. To, and she says in the movie, I don't want this child to define the rest of our lives. Okay. Don't have it. Like, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> the movie just ends after 28 minutes. That'd be yes. really funny. Like, what happened to Knocked Up? That's yeah, over. <laughs> <laughs> Casting What Ifs. This is a big one here. Yes. Do you know this one, Craig? Is it Anne Hathaway? Yeah. Yeah. Anne Hathaway, originally cast in the role of Allison, dropped out due to creative reasons that Apatow attributed to Hathaway's disagreement with plans to use real footage of a woman giving birth, which apparently they were going to do, and then they couldn't because it turned out they would have had to pay the baby as an extra, even though it was just born and uh, turned into a clusterfuck. I'm not positive, I believe, that this was the reason she dropped out. I don't know. What do you think, Juliet? Your spidey senses are pretty good on this stuff. First of all, she would have been excellent in this movie. Like, I I just... Heigl was great, but I think Anne Hathaway would have been really good. I I would have really enjoyed that. Um, I also just found this emphasis, John has emphasis on having to have a like an actual crowning and then showing the baby like pretty weird. Like I don't know why that's so important. I guess he was really traumatized by it. That's all I can explain. But um, I I I think I believe it because the movies that she had that came out after Devils Wear Prada were not like huge movies, and I think this would have been good for her. Like her next like pretty important role after Prada in 06 was Rachel getting married and that wasn't until 08. So I believe it. That would have been a nice three in a row. Yeah. Three rewatchables. And said she was in Get Smart. Allegedly, Jennifer Love Hewitt and Kate Bosworth auditioned. Allegedly, Christina Aguilera did as well. We know Mila Kunis auditioned and didn't get it, but Jed Apatow remembered her and, and put her on forgetting Sarah Marshall. She would have been too young, I think, to, to be that role. The, the Allison role. She would have been like 22. I don't know. Yeah, I really like Mila Kunis, though. She's amazing at forgetting Sarah Marshall, but she's even really young in that. She'd be like three years younger. I don't know. Considering Sarah Marshall's perfect, I think it all worked out. Yeah. It all worked out right. I think she could have potentially done it. The uh, Actually, let's take one more break. 
This episode is brought to you by Sonic. You know what sounds good after a long day? Ice cream. I love ice cream. Right now is the perfect time to get some. Sonic has half-price shakes every night after 7 p.m. when you order online or in the app. Just think of it. All that creamy, soft serve, hand-mixed with your favorite flavors for half the price in any size. Listen, a lot of people like goofy shakes. I like vanilla shakes. You can throw 40 flavors at me. You know what I'm going to order? You know what I love the most? Vanilla shakes. It's perfect because me and my family, at least once a week, we still all get ice cream together when we're together. Grab Sonic Half Price Shakes after 7 p.m. now. Exclusions apply. Available for a limited time only at participating Sonic drive-ins. Okay. More acting awards. The okay. the Ruffalo Hanna Rubinek Partridge Overacting Award. They knew and they let it happen. Don't you call me lady. I come in here. I give these things to you. Give me all you got. Listen. Give me all you got. I treated you like a son. You fucking stabbed me in the heart. Fuck you. Pigtail stoner girl, I don't know. What's her name? Charlene Yee. Charlene I said the same Yee. thing. I heard you were pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, aren't you scared? The way it's going to come out of it. <laughs> it's going to hurt a lot of it. <laughs> Your vagina. That's <laughs> so oh. sick. I, I just, that character just didn't work for me. I didn't get it. She's also, you could say she's maybe in a different movie. They just let her go way too hard on the improv. Apparently she didn't have any lines and she was improvising and they thought she was so funny. They kept it in. I don't know. It was a bit much. This hard disagree on that one. Yeah. Did not think she was funny. It would have been tougher this movie that has um, unfair woman characters to have another one just not speak in the background. So I think overall it's probably yeah. good that she did. <laughs> but maybe would have spent more time workshopping that character. Yeah. The Chris Paul, Chris Paul word for worst meltdown in the third act, I think it probably goes to the movie. <laughs> Definitely. The, uh, the last 30 minutes of labor was like the Suns Dallas series. Um, the Judith Myers award for character definitely killed in the first few minutes of the movie if it was a horror movie. That has to be Jay Baruchel, right? Absolutely. Uh, 100%. 100%. Because in, in Craig's favorite, this is the end. I think he's the first one that gets killed, right? No, no. He's in the whole thing. It's Michael Sarah who gets impaled Oh, that's by right. Yeah, yeah, My bad. Yeah. My bad. We're going to be doing that one at some point. Um, great movie. Backstreet Boys are in it. So there's two great that guys of this for the best that guy award. One is the doctor who was also in This Is 40, who oh, I didn't yeah. even know what his name was. I had to go look. His name is Tim Bagley. He's funny. There's no way anyone else would know that. But he's a that guy. I see that guy. I'm like, oh, the OBGYN from Knocked Up. And then the mom from Growing Pains is in this as Leslie Mann and Catherine Heigl's mom. Mm-hmm. Her name is Joanna Kearns. Growing Pains, before your time, Craig. But it was a Kurt Cameron sitcom. It was like one of the last widely watched yeah leo was on last season it was a big show and she was the mom on it so this is the only time i've seen her i'm shocked you're not talking about alan tudyk like absolutely shocked which one was that her boss at e e guy he's in a lot of stuff oh Uh, yeah that's a good one yeah i should have had him you're right he's in 28 days one of my favorite movies carry on (laughs) so the teddy kgb award we mentioned uh the 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 other lady that we didn't like, the stoner girl. Martin Starr is just doing his own thing and I love it, but he's- It kind of works. There's always one of those friends who's like way too high. I think it's Ken Jeong. (laughs) 
I don't know what Ken Jong's doing in this. I don't know why he's so mean the whole movie. I agree. I thought it, I thought it was also some overacting. I mean, it is his first movie and he's, you know, transitioning from being a doctor to an actor, but I agree. It's too much. She's like, oh, I don't want to take any medication. And he just like flips out. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. Are you a doctor? And it's like, dude, relax. Yeah, we should have had him in What's Age the Worst. I didn't like his character at all. He was not eligible for Deanne Waiters. It does not make it, having birth seem like a fun experience. I know that giving birth isn't, but like even like the surroundings and the way people treat you, like it just kind of was weird. Deanne Waiters, just an incredible cast of nominees. These six people will never be mentioned simultaneously together ever again, I'm guessing. Ryan Seacrest, Kristen Wiig, Bill Hader, Iris Apatow, Stormy Daniels, and Craig Robinson. <laughs> All eligible for Deanne Waiters. Great crew. Stormy Daniels. I, it's This is a really tough one. I think Seacrest is great. I love Tater stuff. Uh, Craig Robinson scene's really good, but I think for me, it's Kristen Wiig. It's gotta be Wiig. Mm. She's in two scenes, right? She's just really funny in both, like really, really elevates funny. both of them. Yeah, she's really good. I go see Crest, but yeah, she's fantastic. Craig, you're a tiebreaker. I think it's Wig. Okay. 2022 recasting couch. Well, this is the, not the first time this will happen, but I have Sydney Sweeney in, in the Hyger role. <laughs> it's just, just lock it down. Great. Next move for her after Euphoria and some real movies to be in like an Aptow rom-com. But who's who's Seth Rogen? What about Gaten Matarazzo from Stranger Things? Oh, Dustin. yeah. That's not bad. Oh, interesting. Thank you. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. We, we And we pull into the Stranger Things thing. Yeah. That's pretty good. like that one. Half fast internet research. Jay Baruchel was terrified of roller coasters, so all of his reactions are real. And apparently, everyone was throwing up because they kept filming the roller coaster stuff. There, do you know about this special feature on the DVD where Michael Sarah gets fired from the film because he's arguing with Apatow, and then another director named Bennett Miller comes in to co-direct with Apatow, and it's all like basically a wrestling work. I haven't seen it. Mm. Yeah, this exists. I haven't seen it either. Juliet, where do you think? Catherine Heigl was ranked on Maxim Magazine's Hot 100 of 2007 list. Number three. Number 14. I was surprised. Seemed what? Low. Who's yeah. above her? What? I don't know. 07 must have been a strong year. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my God. That. I'm going to look that up. A window into uh, Catherine Heigl maybe not playing with 100% of a full deck. In 2014... She owned eight dogs, four cats, nine horses, two donkeys, two goats, and eight chickens. That was eight years ago. That's alarming. When you have that many animals, when you have that many animals, that's something's going on. Oh, no. That's really tough. We have four dogs, and honestly, it's too, too many. Um, And the fourth one we got just because the pandemic, and it was a total panic moment. And But eight? What about the donkeys? I mean, that's Uh, really... So here's one for you, Craig. Mm-hmm. Wild Things, a movie I'm sure you've seen. Jonah Jonah Hill is watching Wild Things. He says it's just another day in the office, and it's a scene <laughs> that shows Nev Campbell Nev Campbell topless in a pool with Denise Richards, but she's not topless in either version of the actual movie. So it's like this. I was on the internet, couldn't figure. You it mean out. you mean the unrated? There's an unrated version, and she's still not there, topless in that. There's some other version that that it was the one. Huh. Um, why was that for me? <laughs> no, I just, because I'm sure you, I'm sure Wild Things, growing up, I'm sure it's a movie you've seen. Uh, <laughs> the fantasy baseball draft, Pete takes Hideki Matsui. Mm-hmm. 
He tries to take Carlos Delgado, but he was three rounds late on that. So he has no idea what he's doing. Matsui, 285, 25 homers, 103 RBIs, 100 runs scored. Solid pick. And they were in like round six or seven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apex Mountain. Heigl's got to be yes, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, this is like, I don't know if, uh, is, is it Vinny Chase Aquaman level? It's up there. I think. I think it is, yeah. And a couple of people in my life who really thought we should name it the Vinny Chase Aquaman Apex Mountain. It's pretty Mountain. funny. <laughs> it's pretty funny. I might, I might workshop in a couple pots. Rogan? No, right? I'm going now. No, it's later. Yeah. I don't know when later, but it's later. Like Pineapple Express is right after this. Like He really keeps cooking. We didn't really talk about Rogan in the pod, which is, I think, uh, my mistake as the host. Well. Because this was, you know, part of the rub of this movie is can you lead a movie with Seth Rogen, right? Can you lead a rom-com with this 23-year-old stoner guy who's overweight and just like, will this work? It wouldn't have been like a Hollywood casting, like number one choice. Yeah. And not only did he carry it, he ends up, he becomes a leading guy for the next 15 years. It's weird how much he's lasted. I mean, he is like in like legitimate normal movies, like that movie, The Long Shot. Like he's just in stuff. I think for a while, people always kind of knocked him as the, he couldn't act. He just like, smoked weed and had that funny laugh. Seth Rogen's actually not a bad actor. Yeah, I think no, he's, he's a good, good actor. I'm with you. Um, I was also really surprised that he and Evan Goldberg together got a producer credit. I was like, this is not that deep into their career. They hadn't mm. made super bad yet. Um, and they get a credit together. So I, I think he's also just like, though he's known for being a stoner, like he's very industrious and clearly, you know, got a, he's a smart guy. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought Superbad because this is quite an 07 for Seth Rogen because he makes the Superbad, the movie he dreamed of making his whole life, and he's also got this at the same time. Apatow, I think you could argue maybe. Well... Because it's in that three-year that three year run of movies we mentioned, and he has this and Superbad within two months of each other, and at this point, he can get anything greenlit that he'd ever want. So I think by the def by the confusing definition of Apex Mountain, <laughs> it's hard to imagine him having more sway or power than coming out of the summer. Yeah, right. Because Superbad coming two months later, is, it's probably that two months later. I, I wonder what we said yeah. if we gave it to him in the Superbad pod. But yeah, it's probably right right now. Siegel, Jonah Hill, Paul Rudd, no. Leslie Mann, no. No for Leslie Mann? I think it's probably leading This Is 40. Hmm. That she's like the lead actress in a big movie. I think that's the only time that's happened for her. You would say here? I don't know, but I, I'm really into Leslie Mann as an actress. I think she's like fantastic like in this movie and really, really funny. She's like maybe one of the best comedy moms, in my opinion. Like she, she's quick, very underrated. I love her in Big Daddy. She's great as Corinne. So funny. I really like her, and she's the one. Yeah, mm, great movie. I think she's really funny in that movie. Yeah, she's she's been a lot of good ones. She's really good in. My wife likes this movie that I admittedly have only probably seen once, but what is it? Like The Other Woman or what? It's like a Cameron oh, yeah. Diaz movie. Mm -hmm. I think she's really funny in that one. I ride or die for Cameron Diaz. She's R.I.P. Cameron Diaz, IMDb. <laughs> she's she's, she's on a beach somewhere. She's not living the good life. She's one of the funniest actresses ever. She does not get enough credit. I ride so hard for her. Um, Jay Barish will know. Hideki Matsui, arguably. What about fantasy, <laughs> fantasy sports moments in a movie? Fantasy, fantasy sports movie moments. Yeah, what else is there? Because there's the league, which is a TV show, obviously, but in a movie, well, wasn't the league on at this point? Uh, maybe, but in a movie, this might be. 
it might be the most high profile fantasy moment. And this is right when Matt, Matthew, maybe fantasy sports, Matthew Barry's signed with ESPN at this point, <laughs> starting to all happen. I find it interesting that they chose baseball. I don't know why they didn't do football. I think it's the most fantasy, like, no, it's like most known for fantasy more than football. Yeah, it was pretty. I think fantasy football. Yeah, but fantasy baseball was first. Mm-hmm. It was pretty even, I would say, through the mid 2000s. And football had taken over, but we didn't want to admit it yet. But it's still like ba- baseball was the OG. I mean, baseball is yeah. the first one. Hmm. Any more Apex Mountain? Because I was going to do Hall of Fame plaque. No, it's definitely Heigl. There's no question. I think there's two Hall of Fame plaque nominees for this. Okay. Heigl doesn't get to be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Is this Apatow's Hall of Fame hat, Mm. this movie? Or would you go with another one? I think I would go with 40-Year-Old Virgin, but Mm. this is close. I think he would go with Freaks and Geeks. Mm. Interesting. But I don't know if that's the right answer. It's probably this for the thing. And then Seth Rogen, what would be his Hall of Fame plaque hat? Super bad, I think that's super bad. I mean, that's like his baby. Yeah, okay. I just want to say, let you guys know, I recently watched um, Seth Rogen's Architectural Digest YouTube video where he gives a tour of the office for his weed company. He's very into architecture. And pottery, as yeah. am I. I'm trying to become a ceramics influencer, and I had a great time. So we, have a, lot, we have a lot in common. <laughs> Who did that happen? Are you on <laughs> it's TikTok? It's not really working. No, so it's not really working. My name is Julia Lippman. I'm a ceramics influencer. <laughs> yeah, I just love ceramics. Best racehorse name from this movie. I have three nominees. You might have more. Opening credits, Bush. (laughs) Uh, Smash Morshin. Or this is my favorite, Drink and Bone. Mm. I I can see Drink and Bone winning the Kentucky Derby. (laughs) And here comes Drink and Bone. What'd you have, Craig? Pregnant with emotion. Ooh. Ooh. And then, I mean, could you toss in Flesh of the Stars? Maybe that's too weird. I think Flesh of the Stars. <laughs> Flesh of the Stars say. is hilarious. That would be good. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the winner. Pickadets. We mentioned they told Catherine Agger to lose 20 pounds. How ridiculous that was. Um, where do we stand on the miscommunication on the condom? Okay. I have those on the list because how could he not? How could he not? He asked the morning after if they I know had they're sex. hammered. Like, we get it. They're yeah. drunk. But he also like asked the morning after, like, did we have sex? And then he's the one to correct her and explain. It doesn't make said, sense. Yeah. That he he only, his memory is extremely selective. I think they spent a long time thinking of the sentence that ha- Heigl has to say that technically makes it where you could understand both ways. I think she said, just do it already, which I mm-hmm. still don't think it's helps shaky. Rogan. Also, I mean, if we get really in the weeds here, just do it without the covers on. Look at it as you're putting it on. I don't know why he like, he's like, <laughs> His like <laughs> eyes are closed and he's trying to put the damn thing on the fucking look at it. <laughs> How about this? Just have the broken condom. What's wrong with that idea? I know. Hmm. Sure. Why do it why does it have to be a condom miscommunication? Oh well, maybe because it speaks to their relationship and their incompatibility. Yeah. Um my one more picking it for me is just like Ben has a couple like just really bad scenes. Like the post hookup breakfast. He's just such an idiot in that scene. It's like, do they have to be that much of an idiot? He has no filter. He keeps telling everybody the story of how they got pregnant. I don't know why he's like yeah. that oblivious. There's a couple <laughs> moments where it's like, is this guy special needs? Like what, what's <laughs> happening with this guy? Um, I don't know why they played it that way. I, I think they could have toned that down 20%. What else did you have, Juliet? 
she would never stay at the bar alone without her sister. Without having that, another buddy or another like wing woman, that would never happen. She would absolutely leave and she'd be annoyed that she had to go, but she would not stay by herself. So, I Or just, she would make the sister stay. Yeah. These groups of people are not at the same club. Well, that's another one. How did Ben and co even get in? If Craig Robinson's like so tight on the door, like how do they even get in to begin with? Do they get there super early, like five o'clock? They're just not going to like the nightclub and they live in, like you said, Northridge and they're coming all the way to like yeah. the West side to go to some fancy club that, I, I don't know, they wouldn't be at the same place. Agree. Any other picking nets? Is Rudd just really killing it? Is Pete just murdering it? And he's in a beautiful home. Like the guy barely works. I, I can't, they have such a nice house. Maybe they bought in early in the Palisades. Uh, and then same with when Rogan gets his apartment, like he gets immediately just like a nice apartment in LA that's like enormous when he gets his, he's like worked there for a week and he can immediately buy mm. an apartment. Didn't make sense. Yeah, you're right. I also thought that $13,000 from the postal truck, he's now in 23. I just feel like, you know, that that money definitely ran out. Uh, I also thought it was kind of funny because it doesn't um, Sonny get run over by a, uh, like a cab in Big Daddy. It's like and it's like the same thing. Yeah. He doesn't have to work because he has all the money. Him saying that he could stretch nine hundred dollars. He's like, I'm not a mathematician. Though. That could last me what two more years. <laughs> I mean, that, was, that was tough. Yeah. Unanswerable questions. I, can you get pink eye from farting on a pillow? I don't. I, I didn't Google this. I just. I that is something that we. Not we didn't do it in college, but that was something that was apparently known. It was a known thing. Okay. Was it because of the movie though? Like, did the movie introduce this concept? Is it should turn it into an urban legend? Interesting question. Perhaps. I and mean, we didn't mention knocked up specifically, but that was people called it like frat eye, which is kind of gross. Ew. But like yeah. um, yeah, the dirty pillow. Jesus. <laughs> gross. So I think Siegel was the one who says you got to know all the tricks. For example, if a woman's on top, she can't get pregnant. It's just gravity. <laughs> Have yeah. there been studies on this? Because I'm, I'm willing to accept that this is like a, a possible thing. <laughs> so less likely, where's Kurt Goldsberry's shot chart <laughs> for this? Oh my God. To tell us exactly what the stats are. I don't know. Um, any other announcements for you guys? How does he pay for literally anything? Like literally <laughs> anything. Good point. <laughs> Yeah, does he pay for food, gas? Gas, rent. Like, no one in this group is working. Is it just, you know, family wealth? I, I just, I need to know. I have one. Um, did this movie teach more people my age about childbirth than any class or anything else? Mm. I've never, this is probably the only time I've ever seen a crowning in my entire life. Um, I just, we, I, we learned a lot about pregnancy in this movie and more than we did ever did in like high school or anything like that. I skipped over for Apex Mountain. I missed it accidentally. The, uh, was this the Apex Mountain for unplanned pregnancy movies? This has been a theme that's been through the years as a rom-com theme. Sure. She's having a baby. I can't remember if that was an unplanned or not, but in general, like pregnancy, and they've, oh, wait, they never land the plane on it because guess what? Pregnancy is not like a barrel F's. Yeah. <laughs> not like a huge amount of comedy coming out of a 10-month growing a body inside your body um, thing. But I think this has to be the best unplanned pregnancy movie, right? I, I no other ones really come to mind off the top of my head. I was thinking about Juno, but I'm not a fan of that movie. Um, wow, random Juno shot. That was like the Matthew Fox drive-by. <laughs> <laughs> Juno was just sitting here listening to the podcast. All of a sudden, got attacked. Sorry. Next category. Sequel, prequel, prestige TV, all black cast or untouchable. I like the idea of an all-black cast for this, but uh, this is, to me, feels like a prestige TV 
eight episode that I could see on like Amazon. I feel like Amazon's kind of made the prestige. What was that one that Rob Delaney was in? Oh, um, Catastrophe with Sharon Horgan. Is that basically knocked up with older Kinda. people as same yeah. kind of theme? But I think this could have worked as prestige because then you really could have dove into the Paul Rudd, Leslie Mann family. And It just wouldn't be as funny. It'd be way more serious, I think. Counterpoint. Have you guys watched Sex Lives of College Girls? No. I really like that show. I love that show. And I feel like that tone applied to Knocked Up for like HBO Max could work. Also, they're making mm. This Is 50. Yes. So yeah. They're thinking about it. Yeah. yeah. Would this movie be better with Wayne Jenkins, Danny Trejo, Catherine Hahn, Steve Buscemi, Sam Jackson, D- JT Walsh, or Philip Baker Hall? Catherine Hahn would have been greatly- Make her her friend. Uh, appreciated. Yeah, that could have been her friend. Or Debbie. She would have been, a, if Leslie Mann is good, but like Catherine Hahn would be a great older sister who's like freaking out. She would be great. Catherine Hahn could have played the Ken Jeong doctor role. like there, <laughs> Literally just, any role, yeah. Could have squeezed her into 10 different things. There could only be one, just one Oscar. Who gets it? from this movie screenplay it's a good one I was thinking Jonah Hill for best supporting actor because <laughs> every moment he's in he just absolutely so crushes funny. it uh, yeah I would say screenplay is probably the most likely I don't think this is an, uh, I don't the Oscar conversation is tough with this movie <laughs> this conversation is not tough though best age to watch this movie Um, I saw it when it came out I was 21. That was pretty good. That's a good age. I was going to say early 20s is perfect. Yeah, I was going to say 23. I think you want to be as old as the guys in the movie, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What's the best double feature choice for this movie? We don't have Sean Fantasy here today. He's the double feature sommelier. (laughs) I would say this is 40 because you're just, you're running it back. Now now it's four four plus hours of the same characters. You, Craig, you disagree. Yeah, because I don't want to watch four and a half because this is 40. I do like this is 40, but that entire movie is like the last hour of Knocked Up, but for two and a half hours. I, to me, because I got a glimpse of all those other guys, I want to jump into a movie where they're more prominent. So I would go like forgetting Sarah Marshall. Oh, interesting. You would just, yeah. so you're like doing like a Rocky marathon of just hanging yeah. out with these guys. Give me Siegel now. Like I saw a little glimpse of Siegel. I want to see the Siegel movie now. Especially you saw him naked. So you're like, I'd like more naked Don't cup it this time. Let's just see the goods, Jason. <laughs> Flash of the stars. Yeah. What do you have, Juliet? I would go with Adventureland, which is one of my favorite movies. And it has a lot of these people, Bill Hader, Kristen Wiig, Martin Starr. It's just a great time. Directed by Greg Matolo, also directed Superbad. And it's like adjacent, but like the Martin Starr of, of it all really made me want more. Plus, Wig and Hader do similar things. Like they're in it for a very short period of time, but they're pretty funny. It's a great movie. So if we did Adventureland without you, you would quit? Or is that just almost famous? Um, I would be pretty upset, but I think quitting would only be for almost famous. Fair. You're on the record. <laughs> Craig, what piece of memorabilia would you want from this movie? Gas mask. I had the same. The, I had the, the early tonsil. <laughs> Uh, I had the random samurai sword that Ben oh. owns, one of his Ooh. two possessions. <laughs> it's so weird and random. <laughs> That's a good one. The Coach Finstock Award for Best Life Lesson. I would go with Don't Fall for an Unemployed Stoner is making a Mr. Skin ripoff site. Maybe <laughs> maybe go in a different direction. You got a lot going for you. You're working for E. You have a chance to be on camera. Good things are happening. This guy isn't the one. That's why she should have had an abortion. You just made my made my point. <laughs> Craig, you can't get a, a woman pregnant if she's on top. <laughs> <laughs> the Jason preaching to the Jason single choir. Um, how long did these two stay together? 
Very short. I feel like we always say that. All right. So let's say it's 2022 right now. This kid is 14 years old, probably <laughs> in the eighth grade. Is the kid, do you think, adopted by the Leslie Man Paul Rudd family at this point? Or, you know, Heigl getting banished, I think feel like she would have been in This Is 40, right? Yeah. yeah. brought her back for that. So we don't, yeah. we just don't see anything what happens with them ever again. But, um, and that would have been a really interesting way to flip it where you have, they're the supporting characters in the first movie and then the stars and the supporting characters flip. But I think they're definitely not together. And does he live in LA would be my next question. I would say no. I was going to say. I think he's gone. He lives in LA. He becomes like, just like a working entertainment dude, some kind of behind the scenes job. She's not in LA. I feel like he becomes like great, you know, present single dad, and she's like doesn't live there. Where does so where does she live and what is she doing? I don't know. She's like with her donkeys and it's like outside of Seattle. I see her like moving to like the state of Washington. This is a, this is a ma- a mashup of Catherine Heigl and Allison Scott, I guess. Yeah, it feels like L.A. might not be for her. I don't doesn't really yeah. make a right fit to me. Or there's a flip side where she blossoms on E, and she ends up getting a reality thing. Like she takes over for Julie Chen on Big Brother, <laughs> one of those type of things and becomes a reality host. There could be that path. She really meets some other guy who's way better than Seth Rogen and it becomes a forgetting Sarah Marshall situation where- This is this is kind of the problem with the character. It's like, I don't know what she would be doing because like she didn't really make sense as it. <laughs> I don't know anything about her. Yeah, true. It's like, what was important to her? Did she want to be on TV? What was yeah. her ambition? What was yes. her driving force? We should have mentioned she wouldn't have just gone from behind the camera to like a correspondent with no in between. Like, it's not just like you become one and then the other. She would have had like one opportunity to, to test it out or something like that. But maybe mm. she would be a podcaster. Well, this is tough. Who won the movie? Mm. Judd. I'm going with Seth Rogen. I was as well. That works too. I think because for Seth Rogen, because this movie succeeded with him as a star it opens the door now for him to A, make any movie he wants, and then B, for people to buy him as a leading man going forward, which seemed not inconceivable, but it seemed like a slight stretch. Yeah, and then I guess him acting in this movie as the lead and nailing it, and then two months later, a movie that he wrote coming out and also being a huge hit, he just became an acting, writing powerhouse. Great times. I really miss this era. It's over. I feel like a, a real, a real uh, boon for him too is that like he has all these best friends on camera, but like his real best friend is someone you don't like get to see. And I just feel like it shows like Seth, Seth is doing more than everyone else. Yeah. If you guys could pick the ideal length for this movie, what would it be? One hundred minutes. Yes. Yeah. Hour forty. Mm, hour forty-five. Yeah. So you're basically getting you're speeding through all the labor stuff. We don't have the fantasy football cheating sidetrack at all. You get rid of the earthquake. Like, there's a couple moments that just don't need to be there. I the disagree on the pretty earthquake. Funny. Yeah, also, the, the Jason Segel part of the earthquake is pretty him great. Him with the cigarette is unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, it just kills me. They're introducing... <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed that. Um, okay, this was fun. This podcast was produced by Craig Horlbeck, host sure producer. Really exciting. <laughs> Julia Lippman, you can hear her on the, uh, on the Bachelor Party feed and on the reality TV feed. And Ringer as Dish. well, and Ringer Dish, and you can hear Craig on fantasy football. What's the fantasy football plan now? We're off right now. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with some with some lists and some yeah. Some, Check the guides out now. We'll, we'll come. We got to talk hundred out. Yeah, we got a whole plan. So fantasyfootball.theringer.com. Check it out. That's right. Thanks for listening, everybody.